Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Being Inspired Radio Show. I'm your host, Amanda Johnson, and we are finishing up the audio version of my new book, Becoming Enough, A Heroine's Journey to the Already Perfect Self. It has been such a pleasure and an honor for me to share this book in this format with you. And if you've been following along for the past couple of months, we have gone from the preface and introduction all the way through chapter nine. And today we conclude the book with the final chapter. If you are just joining, you're welcome to listen in or, or go ahead and pause this and go find one of the earlier chapters. After I finish the book in this episode, come back and I will be having more interviews with inspirational guests along with other solo shows where I share what's going on with me. Maybe I'll start giving you a sneak peek into where I'm at with book two in this series. It's exciting to be putting out book one in this format and equally be working on the second book. So do stay tuned for that. You can always sign up for updates on my website or subscribe to this podcast and you'll be also notified here. So with that, I'd love to finish out this book with you. And um, if you have any reflections or thoughts, feel free to shoot me an email, find me on Facebook. I'd love to hear your experience of this. Who looks outside dreams. Who looks inside awakes. Carl Jung. Chapter 10. Waking from the Dream. You know that moment when you wake up in the middle of the night while having an incredibly satisfying dream and try as you might, you just can't go back into it. No matter how hard I try to return to the arms of a sensual embrace or an incredible adventure or the presence of an inspiring mentor, I can't. Luckily, the same thing goes for when I wake up with tears streaming down my face and sweating through my sheets in the midst of a terrifying nightmare. So it is with our spiritual awakening. Try as we might, once we wake up, we cannot return to the dream. Sometimes at first, all we want to do is go back to sleep. That state of slumber calls to us. There is such comfort awaiting us there. I think of how badly I want to sleep just five more minutes every morning my alarm goes off. Waking up can feel cold, groggy, disorienting, and perhaps a bit apprehensive. Yet when I give in to it, finally drag myself out of bed and have a cup of coffee or do morning meditation, I feel so much better. Things are so much more vibrant from this awakened state. So much more of life can be experienced. Sometimes I need to be silent when I first wake up. I need time to process what is true and what is not true as I come out of my dream state. Allowing the dream to be forgotten in the early hours of the morning as we first awaken is necessary. This adventure has been about unlearning everything I have learned up until this point in my life. Most people who know me well without whom I would have no idea how or where I spent many years of my life, probably think this would be pretty easy given how poor my memory is. And while it hasn't necessarily served me during a game of Trivial Pursuit or when recounting a trip I took, perhaps it has served me well as I unlearn those things that are simply illusions. While my conscious memory often fails me, 
the truth I received on this adventure will never be forgotten. I may forget the details of when things happened or the name of the person who said something that completely shifted my perspective or the restaurant I was in when I had an epiphany, but it is impossible to forget the essence that has been awakened within me. I may even forget what it was like to not know my true self, to sleepwalk through life, but I will never be able to forget what it feels like to be wide awake. Once you reveal these treasures, they can never be unknown. Once you awaken to a new perspective, you cannot fall back asleep. Once you emerge with your newly formed wings, you can never return to crawling. That little two-year-old is starting to see herself in the mirror again as the armor is being removed piece by piece. Her true essence may have been covered up, but it was never destroyed. Now it can shine once again without fear or need of false protection. The journey was about uncovering her essence, becoming that which I already am, always have been, and always will be. One of the first things I learned returning to the ordinary world is that being more aware of the already absolute self doesn't mean I won't still experience pain, judgment, uncertainty, or anger. Ridding myself of these things was not the purpose of my adventure. Just like that little girl with a fearless heart sometimes falls down and skins her knees, I still feel pain and sadness. The difference is that now when I do, I no longer judge it as being bad or wrong. I feel it, allow the tears to flow, ask for a hug or a bandage, and then get back up with a joy in my heart that can't be shaken, remembering that all of it is exactly as it is meant to be. I see it as part of my journey, my perfection. The quest went from me thinking I am to create a life where there is no pain and suffering to learning to observe the pain and suffering for what it is, knowing that it does not alter the truth of who I am. Life is not about creating an existence where we don't fall down and skin our knees. It's about taking a spill and not turning that into a story or an excuse for why it's not safe to play outside. Kids are fearless because they haven't yet had years of conditioning that tells them they ought to be afraid of everything. The journey back to love is remembering that love can hurt. But just because we feel pain or heartache doesn't mean we need to live our lives in fear. We don't get to choose when we experience pain or loss, but we do get to choose how we respond to it, from a place of fear or love. One of my favorite images for this journey is that of an onion. There are multiple layers to peel away, and some make my eyes water more than others. There are a thousand analogies to use, and they all point to the same wisdom that life is a journey, a process, a remembering. Reaching this point in my adventure, this layer of the onion, leaves many layers to go. This is why it is so important to have started with transforming my relationship with judgment. Without judgment running the show, peeling back the layers won't burn my eyes quite as badly. Of course, transforming your relationship with judgment doesn't mean the experience won't still sting from time to time. It's only from a place of non-judgment that you can accept everything as it is and find joy in the eye-watering process of peeling away the layers that no longer serve you.
With your observer wielding the knife, you can face it with more compassion, willingness, curiosity, and love, and less critique, resistance, analysis, or fear. Finding joy in the process means finding gifts in unexpected places. One day, I was having a conversation with a dear friend of mine who was feeling stuck about getting a part-time job while building her business. I offered her a reframe, an opportunity to see something through the eyes of love as opposed to fear, and as soon as she heard it, she said, I have some blocks around that. But I didn't hear some unconscious belief that was keeping her stuck, like not being worthy. I heard a choiceful forgetting, a resistance to something she now knows to be true and cannot unlearn no matter how hard she tries. She is worthy. She tried to go back into the dream state, resorting to a story that she has to re-examine the belief or clear away the blocks as opposed to remembering she's awake. It's kind of like you've been living your whole life using a map and only looking at one side of it that has all these difficult mountains and ravines and swamps and cliffs to figure out, resentfully hike through, or avoid. Then, one day, you realize there's another side of the map, so you flip it over and see a whole new landscape, a whole new way of moving through life. You no longer need to analyze why the one side of the map has such treacherous and challenging terrain. You don't need to first hike all the mountains before deciding to explore the alternate landscape. You need not spend any more time judging the path or trying to figure out how to get across the ravine. You simply need to remember to reference the new side of the map. Now, that doesn't mean you won't open up the map to the original side from time to time and find yourself thinking, wow, this is so much harder than it needs to be. Why isn't it easier? I guess I'm supposed to break through that mountain or figure out a way around that ravine. When you catch yourself attempting to make things more difficult by using the old map, all you need to do is remember to flip it over and allow the river to guide you, moving through the wilderness without judgment or needless suffering. After my San Pedro epiphany in Peru, it became crystal clear to me just how undeserving I have felt of divine love because I haven't suffered enough. I recall many times telling myself and others that I haven't had enough tragedies or hit rock bottom, and because of this, I developed a story that I wasn't yet deserving of salvation. To top it off, because I hadn't suffered enough, and believed I had to, I decided I needed to create more suffering in my life, hence the need to find a way through the mountain. I certainly couldn't just go with the flow of the river and enjoy life. The lesson that hit me like a ton of bricks is that suffering is not a requirement to receive the love, peace, and joy that each and every one of us is innately deserving. While it's true that suffering, dukkha, is part of life, it's not the destination. My attachment to it and my resistance to receiving the love that is rightfully mine is keeping me from transcending suffering and surrendering to the flow of life. The price of admission for divine love isn't suffering. It's radical self-responsibility. One of the first things you can do is take responsibility for the suffering you have created in your life and then lovingly turn the map over. You don't gain brownie points for being miserable, climbing every mountain or traveling to the depths of each ravine. 
Your suffering doesn't diminish the suffering of others. It simply keeps you from providing the love and light that is necessary in those situations. The root cause of so much of our angst and dis-ease stems from this belief that we are vulnerable to perceived threats. And I lovingly invite you to question that on an ongoing basis. What if you are okay just the way you are and no longer need to go around avoiding it or proving it in some way? I remind my ego each time I catch it picking up the shield of judgment in all its deceptive forms. Shame, blame, guilt, overanalysis, busyness, control, that there's no need. Instead of using my various shields, I practice doing the opposite thing I might have once done in order to prove to my ego that I am already enough and safe just the way I am. I bite my tongue instead of proving my point or telling you what to do. I say thank you and receive the compliment instead of dismissing it or immediately returning the gift. I refrain from saying I'm sorry when I feel uncomfortable or am afraid you do. I observe the craving to have another glass of wine as opposed to pouring it. And you guessed it. I'm still okay. The false protection is no longer required. So many of us carry around shields to feel more significant and whole. What we haven't yet realized is that in order to reveal our deepest truths, we need to be willing to stop hiding them. I wrote this book as a way of lowering my shield, releasing the old story, and revealing the truth. As simple as it may sound, all I had to do was bring the story into the light so it no longer had power over me. As St. Paul says, quote, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light, end quote. I wrote this book to serve as a light for myself and others. By exposing my beliefs, stories, and judgments, I trust they can serve as a light for you. In the words of Pablo Picasso, quote, The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. End quote. This gift of mine to serve as a light was validated while reading A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. He says that the contribution of some of the greatest artists of our time is not to offer us a solution, but rather offer us a reflection of the human experience and predicament so that we can see it more clearly. This is my calling as an artist, creator, messenger. This is the call I accepted quietly while sitting on my couch in my San Francisco studio and continue to accept each and every day. By accepting the invitation, I uncovered my gift, the authentic way I am here to serve others. It no longer needs to be perfect or completely different than anyone else's. It also doesn't need to look exactly the same. I don't need to be certain of what comes next. I found that my authentic gift is asking questions and sharing my lessons with others. This way, I give others permission to ask questions and reveal more of who they truly are. Shining your light by exposing your innate brilliance is kind of like tweezing your eyebrows. The more you do it, the less it hurts. The more often you are willing to try something and learn from it, the closer you get to revealing the profound truths so many before us have revealed and taught, which is only found by reconnecting with your true self, no longer covering it up or apologizing for it. 
just over a year after my ego threw her vulgar tantrum, I experienced a more refined dark night of the soul. While lying in Savasana at the end of a yin yoga class in Mexico, I noticed my tendency to start thinking. I observed this and asked the simple yet powerful question I learned from my shaman. What am I avoiding by having these thoughts? Immediately, it struck me that I was avoiding a feeling of detachment and pure weightlessness, and with that, a sense that I am this tiny being in this huge universe. Ultimately, I was avoiding how insignificant I feel. I experienced an existential question many of us have. Do I matter? And all this from asking a simple question. The need to feel important is a driving force in a lot of our human suffering, and the knowledge of not being significant can be quite uncomfortable. Yet the knowing I received in that moment was that while we are specks of dust in an infinite expanse, and what we do truly doesn't matter, the paradox is we do matter. We are important. But not necessarily from the ego's sense of self. While lying in corpse pose on that beautiful January day in Rosarito, I actually felt a sense of relief. Finally, I could live and enjoy life. My shaman's words echo in my mind. Quote, This journey is about engaging in life more willingly and less seriously rather than attaching to the destination. End quote. We can have fun revealing these gems, treating it like a playful scavenger hunt. As Martha Beck says in her brilliant allegory, Diana herself, quote, play is the best way for a soul to learn how the physical realm works, end quote. At times, I need this reminder when I start to get a little serious about the journey and overly attached to a certain outcome or indication that I have arrived such as when I find myself looking at every experience as some deep spiritual lesson or looking to how many people I reach as a measure of success or being overly focused on attaining a certain level of wealth or serenity. As Thich Nhat Hanh wisely says in You Are Here, quote, the present moment is the destination, the point to arrive at, end quote. It's not about getting to X, Y, or Z. It's about being willing to experience whatever we encounter on the way more willingly and less seriously. Life can be one hell of a ride after all. It's up to you if you close your eyes, grip tight and hate every minute of it, or throw your arms up in the air and scream in exhilaration. Journeying to my true self revealed to me the treasure of non-judgmental awareness. It's hard to enjoy the ride when you're constantly in judgment of it. This serves as its own treasure map to acknowledging and accepting what is, which is where my next adventure will lead me. With this newfound awareness and allowing the observer to reclaim her rightful seat behind the wheel, I'm able to experience greater trust and let go of the need to know it all or have it all figured out. I'm more open to love fearlessly, forgive myself and others, and be willing to observe and then let go of the suffering. I no longer need to continuously seek for the next thing that will give me the answer or teach me what I need to know. I'm learning to be good with being me. As I first received this message of being good with being you, I started to experience inner conflict. It seemed like I was suggesting you judge your existence as good, 
but that's not the case. The journey to becoming enough and being good is one of non-judgment that leads to acceptance, to be at peace with what is. One day, a dear mentor and friend of mine asked, how is it possible to be good with being you when the you is ever-evolving? Great question. I started to notice how some days this means non-judgmentally accepting the me that feels lazy, grumpy, not enough, and other days being good with the me that feels divine, whole, and fully connected. At first, I had a hard time reconciling this. How can I be good with seemingly contrasting separate me's? After sitting with this question, it dawned on me that both are true. There is an unchanging, constant part within each of us, and that is the you that you reveal and discover by peeling back the layers and wiping away the grime that often covers it up. That is what you are becoming more of, beginning to be that unchanging part you already are. Being good with being you means non-judgmentally accepting the you that is both unchanging and ever-evolving. This is the paradox, the illusion of duality, and why you sometimes feel uncertain and full of doubt. And that's fine. It's part of the journey. It's being good with being all that, too. Much of what was revealed as I hiked up the mountain seemed contradictory. I am insignificant and significant. I am perfect and human. There is a deep knowing and uncertainty in faith. We are all connected and separate. We are different and the same. True transformation may not require judgment, but it does require a reintegration of these seemingly contrasting ideas. All these things are true, and there is no separateness or conflict. It is only an illusion that there is. Eckhart Tolle points out that this is because language creates duality that doesn't actually exist. We can't speak about perfection without speaking about imperfection. Judgment also creates duality that doesn't actually exist. Right or wrong, black or white, lightness or shadow, good or bad. Things are seemingly contradictory because of the illusion we have been living under when, in reality, it all exists simultaneously in all things. The process of reintegration begins by noticing the seemingly disparate parts for what they are and being willing to look at all of them. The truth is that the parts were never separate or disconnected. We have never been this or that, perfect or human, connected or separate, evolving or complete. The ego simply created this illusion over time built out of fear. Without judgment, I can observe all these seemingly contradictory parts of myself. I now have the courage to go into the basement, dust off the cobweb-covered lid, and pull everything out of the chest. For all my perfection, I am capable of horrific things. For how significant I am, I really don't matter. For all the uncertainty and doubt I experience, I have a deep knowing at all times. Once it is brought into the light, it's not nearly as scary as I had imagined. Reintegration takes pardon, persistence, and patience. Pardon is to give yourself grace and compassion, recognizing that sometimes it's not going to go the way you thought, or you're not going to get it all done, 
Or you might have a slump day or behave in a way that is out of alignment with how you want to show up. It is so important to grant yourself pardon. Then there's persistence. Once you notice something didn't go as planned, or you didn't accomplish everything, or you acted in a way that wasn't in total alignment, you pick yourself up and try again and remember that it's all part of the experience. These are the moments where you learn, get to practice self-love, and decide if you are willing to do it again, perhaps experimenting with a different way this time. Finally, it takes patience. This is a big one for me. Being patient in how long something takes. We don't know the timing or how everything is to unfold. That's part of the mystery. If you were to imagine you do know how long something is going to take, you think you're in control. Things may take longer than you imagined or not happen in the timing you think they should, in business, relationships, spiritual development, and so on. As this phase of the journey nears its end, I no longer see myself as lacking, not enough, or incomplete. Yet the journey has just begun. Now that I observe what is, rather than passing judgment and using false shields to protect myself, the question that remains is, can I accept all of it? Am I ready to accept my wholeness, no longer judging any of it as light or dark? Am I ready to embrace my humanity right alongside my divinity? Am I ready to accept the next call to adventure to the land of complete non-resistance? Am I ready to be at peace with myself and therefore at peace with the world? Once you step out of judgment, you have the opportunity to accept everything as it is so that you can then surrender to the journey. This brings with it a whole other slew of enemies, allies, and treasures. Processing shame, learning to live in the both and, finding your balance. Once you recognize your enoughness and gain the treasure of being the observer, trusting your innate perfection, knowing, and connection, a whole new layer of the onion awaits. This becoming is the beginning, not the end. Remember that two-year-old with her cute curled pigtails, dark hair and dark eyes shining brightly, wearing her little blue and red polka-dotted dress? She has returned, full of trust, full of awe for the perfection and interconnectedness life has to offer, full of light and love for everything around her. She once again sees herself as whole and complete. She is love. She is fearless. She is limitless. She is enough. And there you have it. Becoming Enough. A heroine's journey to the already perfect self. And I will be perfectly honest. That final paragraph. When I wrote it when it came through me, which it very much felt like it came through me, brought tears to my eyes. And reading it again in this moment also brought a lot of emotion up for me because it is so true. And it is something that I need to be reminded of time and time again. This journey isn't about finding something. It isn't about becoming something that we aren't already. It isn't about going out and filling the hole. 
It is about remembering over and over again. And that's it. We just keep remembering. And then we might forget, but we are reminded again, and therefore we remember. And I think, at least based on my experience, those times of forgetfulness, they seem to get shorter and shorter. And our times of remembrance gets longer and longer. And yet, that closing paragraph is so moving to me because of, I believe, the truth it has in it. And you may have also heard some suggestions of what book two is going to be about in that final chapter. And I am excited to share more of that with you uh, as, I, as I bring it into a clearer formation. Yet the overarching theme or concept of it is that it is okay, it is safe to accept what is, to accept these seeming dualities and paradoxes of life, to accept all of it. And in so doing, we remember who we truly are. So that's what we have to look forward to in the next book. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to me share this message in this way. And as I said at the beginning of the show, tune in next week and the weeks to follow for more inspiring conversations and inspirational thoughts that I will be sharing with you in this program. And until then, welcome blessings into your life.